You're over there. You're you're doing okay. I am over here. I'm I'm doing okay, and uh, it's it's damn good to hear your voice on the damn good podcast, Seth Ray. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, and to hear your voice, Jeff Schultz is. <sighs> anyway, all right. So the show. See, um, uh, is that how we're going to start this? Yeah, yeah. Is that? Yeah. I I mean, how's the whole Mister Mom thing going? I. <laughs> That that's kind of a, a bad way to put it. Like I'm I'm Mr. Dad, like that. That's a and I know I, I'm I'm jumping on you for a bad reason. You didn't mean it that way, but like, no, no, no. It's just is, it was the name. Of, it was the name of a. It was the name of a movie. Yeah, was. Michael Keaton. Yeah. back in the early '80s or yeah. mid '80s, and Terry yeah. Gar was the the mom, and and yeah, yeah. But these like gender roles. I think this one this pandemic is kind of cementing that, like, dad and mom do very similar things. Um, I am in a household, I think, similar to a lot of people where I've got two young children, but both parents are working. And so we both have to make time for each other. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of negotiating, not negotiating, but just kind of setting time aside. Um, For instance, we are recording this podcast during the middle of the day when I told John and Jeff, like, if I'm going to do a podcast, I have to do it during X hours. Because I've got the kids in the morning, um, it's uh, it's a it's a different time. And, and how am I handling it? I'm pretty miserable. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty miserable. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, this is really what I wanted to get to. Yeah, yeah. Good. I may not be as miserable as Jake Fromm was like early Saturday oh, oh, afternoon, but uh, well, you're you you are in Athens, and he is going to Buffalo. So yeah, true, true. Eventually, let's let's get into. Okay. But I, I want, want to say this and um, just straight off. So so we're doing a show off of the draft because we finally have something tangible to talk about. And I've just yes. got to say, as someone who has criticized the NFL before, especially Roger Goodell, who I've said many times is overpaid <laughs> and is just an empty suit, whatever, what the NFL <laughs> did over the weekend with the draft was fantastic. It you know, Roger Goodell may have been home in his million-dollar mansion or whatever, but he he did it well. The fact that they said, we're going to do this draft, and we're going to do it the way everyone else is doing it, is, is living their lives these days, that was a great command decision. And to just see everybody at home, like you saw these head coaches and these general managers, they, they had their kids with them. Um, they had their families with them. They were all they were living life like we are. It was it was honestly it was cathartic. It was it was fan, it was uniting. It was a lot of things. I just I, I I'm grateful that the NFL did that. Yeah, I I I agree. Now I do think that um, people who think and I think Roger Goodell even claimed you know we're gonna I might take some of these ideas and use them you know in the future. I really don't think they are. I think they're gonna. Go as soon as they can. They're going to go back to a a very glitzy, sterile corporate kind of um, show. You know, you, everybody knows what they were going to do in Las Vegas this year, what they mm-hmm. did in Nashville last year. Uh, and I don't, 
I don't think we're really going to see any future situations with Roger Goodell or NFL general managers sitting at home with their dogs. And, well, um, but I, but it was it was very cool to see. And I, I'll, I'll say this too, <laughs> kind of to your point, similar to um, a couple weeks ago when I wrote that texting column. Uh, a couple comments I got back from from readers was like it was really cool to see people handling having to handle the situation just yeah. like us yeah. you know um and exactly and which is was, exactly what you you saw these million dollar coaches yeah. and general manager going through the same thing now in bigger houses than us nicer houses but they're they are also locked in their houses number 1 they they're having to go through the same thing as us but they're it's an example you know for people who may be a little too eager to you know try and return to normalcy before we're ready my two favorite moments were were Bill Bill Belichick and yeah not the normal house he was up right. there in Nantucket I think um, when he had left he had left the room the and his dog was yeah, at the laptop that, was, that, that, was that, awesome. that is that was by far number yeah. one and of course everybody on Twitter wanted the dog to make the pick yeah <laughs> and then and my second favorite moment was I think it was somewhere in the third round when Roger Goodell it almost seemed like he you know had changed into his Mr. Rogers sweater or something. I don't know what it was, but suddenly he was over on his easy chair and it looked like he had been like, you know, binge watching yeah. a gardening show on HGTV for three hours. He was about to fall asleep. He just stopped at that <laughs> point. He just said, screw it. I know that <laughs> tens of millions of people are watching it. Well, maybe not that. Maybe, you know, ratings were through the roof though, um, which shows the appetite for people wanting News. sports back. Yeah. Just yes, something news. tangible. Um, it was it was great. I, I I agree with you that like look they're gonna have the glitzy Las Vegas show, New York, the kind of thing we saw in Nashville. They're gonna have that again when we could do large gatherings and stuff. But GMs and head coaches is on them at home. Maybe that that's what Goodell was talking about. Um, except usually the cameras in the past they they've all been at their team facility all around a you know a, a table just kind of talking. Um, now you'd have to get the head coaches and the GMs to get to go along with it and say that they're okay with doing it via Zoom rather than all being together. Yeah, I just don't. I mean, the NFL is just so locked into. I mean, I think Thomas uh, Dimitrov has talked about this. The Falcons they'll have like fifty plus people in the room because mm-hmm. they have you. You have your group of scouts. You have your group of coaches. You have your personnel people. You have your financial people. You have the owner and a couple of his kids. I mean, you've got a and PR people. You have a lot of people in that war room. And and I talked to Thomas uh, Dimitrov about this a couple times too. A lot of the problem. I mean, he, as much as things went smoothly. So much time was taken up during the day and the days leading up to the draft just because normally you could walk across the hall and see somebody and yeah. now you had to have you had to talk to them on the phone. Um, it would be nice if they were to bring some elements of what we saw this year in the future. I'm just not overly confident about it. I, I think or maybe they'll do it in the later rounds. Yeah, I don't you know. know. I um yeah. it'll be it'll but it'll be interesting to see if we find out later that certain trades fell through uh, or mm-hmm. that there were that things changed a little bit because of communication issues. Um, I mean, everybody can be on the same Zoom call. There's a reason we didn't hear the audio, like from the room that Belichick was in, or you know, you saw Matt Patricia there with his kids, and you saw the the Dolphins GM and head coach, you know, because they were probably on these massive 50 person Zoom calls and whatever, and they you know they didn't want the world hearing what they were talking about, but they could see it. 
Um, anyway, uh, it'll, it, 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 it was still, it was a cool thing. It was probably unfortunately a little bit of a preview of what's to come when, you know, when baseball or whoever is the first to return is probably going to be without fans, could be without fans for college football in the fall. That's a whole other podcast. We won't talk about that, but, um, but the sports world adjusted and did it well. I was, I was uplifted by that. Well, good. And, um, Maybe you were uplifted a little more than Jake Fromm. Yeah. All right. So let's here. <laughs> let's get into that. Um, now I, I'm not one of these. I, I've stopped being like I'm, I'm not going to say I've stopped being surprised at NFL drafts because it, it's it's a different animal. It's it's not mm-hmm. you know. Um, What's an example? I mean, Joe Burrow going number one overall when he was the Heisman Trophy winner, the best quarterback in college football, followed by, you know, the same thing happened with Carolyn Murray and Baker Mayfield uh, years before. That's still an anomaly. It doesn't go that way. There, there's So I've stopped following that. Like, Rodrigo Blankenship didn't get picked. And right. he was the Lou Groza winner. So, and how yeah, many I, I, how many kickers did end up getting picked? Four? Well, I know one got picked before him, as he pointed out on Twitter, before in the state of Georgia. Yeah, uh, I, I hadn't heard uh, of the guy. Georgia, I mean, Georgia Southern yeah. kicker. I, I, I think I think a couple things. First of all, and and I I too was surprised. I was surprised Rodrigo Blankenship didn't get kicked. Uh, didn't get kicked. He did get kicked. He didn't get picked. Um, I I I think there's a lot of NFL GMs that are still wary of picking specialists. I think mm-hmm. that's number one, unless you're just so far off the charts that, uh, you know, we have to pick this guy. And then um, as much as anybody who watched Blankenship kick for Georgia, you know, loved him and he became a fan favorite and all that stuff. He did miss a few kicks, did he not, his senior year. And, and yeah. maybe that was just yeah. enough to say, you know what, maybe we're not going to spend a fifth or sixth or seventh round draft pick on on him. Um, and that's not to say he's not going to make it in the NFL. I mean, <laughs> it's it's such but, a but kickers are such a kickers are so it's and they're so yeah. fragile, Jay, uh, uh, Seth. I mean, I forgot your name. It's been so long. They're so fragile because I mean, I've seen NFL kickers that have three or four, you know, above average to great seasons in a row, and then the next year suddenly are hitting it off the upright from yeah. thirty yards out. I mean, and and. I can just see, and I haven't asked anybody about this, about what happened to Blankenship, but I could just see where a scout or somebody would say, he missed that kick against South Carolina. He missed that kick again, you know, whatever, one of his three or four misses or five misses, whatever he had missed during the year, and think, I don't know about him anymore. I can't afford to spend a draft. Well, pick on and him. then things that you thought were long buried can sometimes come back. Like, did some teams that were thinking about it see the stuff with his dad a few years ago and say, oh, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, maybe what if that comes back to the fore? You know, helicopter dad, whatever. It'd be totally unfair to Rodrigo and his dad. It was years ago, and his dad was not a problem at Georgia the last three years, two, three years. But maybe that enters the thinking um but with with kickers i again it's it's a it's such a random thing you've you never know so maybe not shocked uh, dare reed surprised me now it, it it comes out later you start to talk to people that well there was this there was that i look i knew jr reed wasn't a first or second day pick but i kind of 
thought he was a fourth, fifth round kind of guy that you could put at strong safety and mm-hmm. and feel great mm-hmm. about him. I mean, look, I've covered this Georgia program, and I've talked about Sean Williams incessantly, but Sean Williams was a third-round pick, and as much as I love him and wrote a whole column saying that he was my favorite player, I think J.R. Reed and Sean Williams were just as good. I don't understand why J.R. Reed isn't a third-round pick. Maybe just not as – you're looking for someone who's impactful, but the guy was a three-year starter. He seems to have good measurables, but I guess maybe you know, at the combine he didn't run as fast as people wanted or, or what. But um, I guess he's going to the Jaguars. Uh, I mean, so much of the NFL is just kind of getting the right chance. Right. The, did do you remember Avery Jones at Georgia? Defensive lineman. Yeah, um, yes. he's at the Jaguars. He signed with the Jaguars as an undrafted free agent after the '92 season, I believe, mm-hmm. um, and he's still with them. And meanwhile, like Aaron Murray's out of the league. Uh, um, all these yeah. other guys are out of the league. It's just the NFL is is weird. It, it's it's about finding the right situation. It's about it's about luck so many times. Yeah, here's the thing, and, and if people are looking for a parallel, just think of recruiting. Okay, so. High school coaches are recruiting high school kids, mm-hmm. looking at them from <laughs> ninth grade, tenth grade through high school, obviously, and then and then when deciding to give them an offer, they're projecting, right? They're projecting yeah. what they're going to be at 18, 19, 20, right. 21. The NFL draft is the exact same thing. The difference with the NFL draft is you are projecting those next few years, but you have a little more of a um I, I guess you could say spreadsheet or resume to base things on. So let's take Jake Fromm, for example, okay? We always saw a kid who was really smart, who managed the, to manage the team well, and he made some big throws when he had to to win games. And when then we saw him sort of plateau, and we had, and then we're kind of looping back into Jake Fromm here, and then we saw him struggle, relatively speaking, as a senior. Um, <clears throat> yes, he lost his receivers, Yes, we could debate about play calling. Yes, 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 yes. But we saw Jake Fromm, who did not have the phys- these these extreme physical attributes. He wasn't really fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't overly mobile. He didn't have a really strong arm. But we suddenly saw him make some bad decisions, okay, and 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 make some throws he probably should not have. Even notwithstanding all the other things we could say about the about him uh, and the Georgia program. Um, and, and so we saw him take a step back because, because the NFL scouts are projecting this guy might be as good as, as he was as a freshman or a sophomore. Mm -hmm. And, and that's not going to be good enough in the NFL. So I, so in our view, he's not higher than a, when you go fifth round, end of the fifth round. Um, a J.R. Reed, I don't, J.R. Reed was like great, really solid, great college player. But again, not overly big, not overly strong, really smart guy, uh, not overly fast. I, I could see him, you know, he, he like you said, he signed as an undrafted free agent. like Fifth year senior, all of, so he's probably yeah, older. Yeah. He might be 22, yeah. I, you know. I could, see, I could see him, you know, making, the te- making a team, hanging around the league for three or four years. And that's a guy I could see actually coaching one day if he wants to do it. Yeah. Um, but... I never really view J.R. Reed as this as a guy who's definitely going to play at the next level. I mean, you got to understand, man. <laughs> Things are so much. If you talk to any ex college player, Seth, they will tell you the same thing. Mm-hmm. The game is so much faster. 
and the guys are so much bigger and 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 stronger and things just move quickly and that's why yeah. so many quarterbacks who excel in the NFL and, and excel in college don't excel in the NFL because things move quickly they, you have to get the ball out of your hand right away um they're they're you think there's pick plays in college they've they've you know perfected the pick in 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 uh in the NFL and you've got to be on it right away and speed is so important speed 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 mm-hmm. Um, and some of these guys just don't have that level that that sort of upside. So perception wise, with From, I'm mm-hmm. now look. I was on record. I, I'm on. I'm on two tracks here. Okay. Uh, on the one track, I've been kind of pushing back on all these people, including friends and colleagues um, on the Ohio State beat up for the athletic <laughs> who keep pushing the, I can't I believe they, they let Justin Fields go yes. so they could keep a fifth round pick. And just want to say you, that is not what happened. <laughs> like, yeah. Actually, they, that's not that. That's not exactly no. what you want to say. No. <laughs> um, but, and, and so, and I'm on record with a column that I wrote last October that I stand by. I went back and reread it and I'm like, I, I stand by this. There was no decision for Kirby smart to make. You can't really knock him. Correct. You, this the the way that Jake Fromm performed last year since Justin Fields left, and the way Justin Fields performed since he left, has I think twisted people's memories on the facts on the ground. There was nobody saying, nobody that like I can remember, nobody in the media, nobody was telling me behind the scenes as the Georgia beat writer. Nobody was coming to me saying they've they they've got to bench Fromm and, and let Fields be the starter. There was nobody saying that. No, what people were telling what what the only thing people were saying was that Fields needs to stick around because Fromm might leave, and I was saying Fromm may not leave, and so Fields may not want to stick around. Then we find out that Fields was gonna get immediately eligible anyway, so it didn't matter. He, yeah, I I like you am really not interested in as I I think responded to you on Twitter and relitigating this whole thing. because we're on the, we're on the same wavelength. The only way, obviously, Justin Fields was staying if, is if Kirby promised him the starting job that next year, and that wasn't obviously couldn't happen. If I were going to question one thing, and I think that was it's, it was sort of touched on during during Justin Fields' year, is that when Kirby recruited him and brought him in. You know the talent this guy has. And he said, correct me if I'm wrong, or he certainly suggested he was going to have a package of plays or have some plays for him. And mm-hmm. that throughout that season, we never really saw that. Right. And and now, would that have made a difference depending on how that year, so this is two years ago now, how that year would have played out and and potentially set things up for the future after that season. I mean, I don't, we don't know that it might not have made a difference, but if I can find one quibble in the way, because Kirby obviously is the guy who's being second guessed all the time now. Um, If I can find one quibble in what happened in that whole situation, it's that Kirby smart. And you could say then Jim Chaney um, did not find a way to get, um, Justin Fields more involved in the offense two years ago to see more what they could do. Yeah. 
um, give him a package of plays, give him a couple of possessions, what it was. It was all very, it never really developed like I think a lot of people thought. It was, it was clumsily done. It, they would insert him in for individual plays and then he would come right out. Um, I mean, in hindsight, and, and it was a different day and age, and DJ Shockley, different guy than maybe, you know, he was willing to wait, which Justin Fields maybe wasn't. But in hindsight, the way Mark Rick handled DJ Shockley when he also had David Green looks pretty good mm-hmm. because he was able to hold yeah, on to both. And, yes. and DJ Shockley ends up in his one year as the starter leading Georgia to an SEC championship. Didn't help yep. him for the NFL. He was only a seventh-round pick. But um, anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I think you can definitely criticize. I, I was saying that the whole time in 2018 that we just – there, there isn't really a sense of what they're doing here. Uh, I still don't know whether if they had handled that better – it would have kept Justin Fields around. Um, I just don't. I don't know if there was enough of a of a. It, it, did, did Justin Fields need a plan, or did he need the job in order to stick around? Right. Um, and yeah, you know, I don't think. But the, Fields has talked. Sorry to interrupt, but I, I interrupted anyway. That's okay. Um, Fields has talked about <laughs> unless this was an empty kind of thing you say when it's all said and done. Um, he has talked about he almost transferred back to Georgia after he you know had been at Ohio State for a few weeks and and that he missed it. Um, but like so, does that mean that if they had handled it just a little bit better, if they had really formulated a good plan with him, they may have been able to keep him around? I still, I still don't know. And but the bottom line is for all these people who say that you you know you chose a fifth rounder over uh, Justin Fields, like. Do I have to run back for you everything Jake Fromm had accomplished at Georgia as a freshman and a sophomore? And by the way, now Justin Fields may go win the national championship for Ohio State this year, but Jake Fromm at this point has gone to a national championship game and wins a national championship, if not for a second and 26. Justin Fields has not taken Ohio State to a national championship game yet. And if you want to say that has more to do with supporting cast and people that were around him, I just saw how many guys from Ohio State get drafted in this last draft. You, right. you know, Chase Young, the number two and number three picks on the other side of the ball, so defense helped. Um, and J.K. Dobbins says hello. I mean, so I'm not I, – I, look, Justin Fields is going to have – it looks like he's definitely the better quarterback than Jake Fromm. That doesn't change that Georgia, you know, didn't really have a choice here. No, not by the time you got to that off season or after that season. No, they they did not. Again, it's just a matter of whether we would have seen something in Justin Fields' only year that would have prompted Kirby Smart to look at things differently. But we just mm-hmm. we never had that opportunity. And as you said, I think I think we agree. We probably I'm sure we talked about it at the end of the year. The situation was sort of handled clumsily, and um, but whatever. That's. Here we are relitigating right. something that I didn't think we were No, no, but it's what everyone was talking about. So, yeah, you yeah. know, I, I mean, it's, it's, but it's a no win. You, you come on sure. here and you sound like Georgia homers or, you know, Jake Fromm defenders uh, for, for saying this because, but, but people who are around Georgia, like rational, reasonable, realistic people, even people that are around the SEC, I think understand. It's maybe the you know people nationally who are like how you know look at what Justin Fields did and you had him and blah blah blah. It's like, you know, <laughs> but anyway, having said all that, I said earlier I'm on another track. I was on record last Monday when I had a story run saying that I think Jake Fromm 
his career is more likely to go along the lines of an Aaron Murray or a David Green. As in, I don't think he's a first-round, second-round type guy. Um, and as it turns out, Aaron Murray and Jake Fromm basically got picked in the same spot in the draft, like hmm. both yeah. in the fifth round, about five picks apart. Yeah, I, 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 I think I told you this the other day, taking those three quarterbacks that are all similar quarterbacks, I had always ranked them David Green first, Jake Fromm second, Aaron Murray third, in terms of what I thought was NFL potential. I'm still a little surprised David Green didn't make it. And I'm not even sure. I think he almost could have carved out a, a career for a little while, but it seemed like after, what was he in the league, three years? He just really didn't want to do it anymore. I wonder how much of it yeah. was really desire. And I never really did talk to him about this, so sorry just speculating about that. But I'll say this. Mike Holmgren liked him, took him in. Third round Bill pick. Belichick liked yep. him. Yeah, Bill, Bill Belichick signed him, took him in. Obviously, they saw, and I'm not saying I have the football minds of those two guys, but I feel pretty good about projecting that David Green would make it in the NFL when those two guys thought so too, um, or at least he had a chance. I never really got that I, that thought with Aaron Murray. Nothing against Aaron Murray. He was a great college quarterback. I just never really projected him at the NFL level. I thought Jake Fromm had a, had a chance. Uh, I was surprised when he was, when some had projected him as a first-round pick. Um, in this past draft, I, that, that surprised me. like yeah that um, that part even I, like going back yeah. to 2017 I always saw the size the arm the, the arm by the way isn't bad um, and the okay. size isn't bad yeah. he's like legit 6'2 it's just you you need something that's great to be a first rounder right. he doesn't have the mobility the size or the arm that's great what he has is that's great is the intangibles is the smarts right. but people just don't use first round picks on those um, now, speaking of drafts and speaking of quarterbacks, if we can transition here to next year's draft. Go for it. <laughs> um, Georgia has Georgia's highest rated player next year in next year's draft. Potentially, it looks like it might be their quarterback coming in. <laughs> Carson Beck? Jamie He's not Newman. eligible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. You're, you're so funny. Um uh, right now, I actually somebody just sent me these odds from one of those sports websites, and I love these. I do love these odds. There's an there are odds on first quarterback drafted. Okay, number one is sort of a given, Trevor Lawrence. Number two, sort of a given, Justin Fields. Number three, right now, is Derek King of Miami. Mm-hmm. Number four is Jamie Newman of Georgia. Uh, I've already looked at, and I, I, I trust me, I know this is like the least scientific thing ever. Um, next year's mock draft, and there's already at least two or three mock drafts, I believe, that have Jamie Newman going in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, which I'm sure Georgia fans would like that because that would mean that Jamie Newman had a very good year. But again, it's in terms of perception. This all gets to perception, right? In terms yeah. of how we perceive a quarterback. Um, People look at Jamie Newman as a guy who fits a lot of the way a lot of offenses are going now. Very athletic guy, um, more athletic than Jake Fromm. And if he can be successful next season in his only year at Georgia, and and that would entail winning big games, which he didn't have to do at Wake Forest because he wasn't in big games at Wake Forest, Mm -hmm. um, that's going to elevate him 
to to probably I would say mid to late first round uh, level. And obviously, it's it's impossible really to project, but I think he's he's viewed as having that sort of talent that again could sort of carry over as a pro. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. What we were just talking about, you got to have something, and he's got the mobility. He checks that box. Um, and size wise, I think he's six three. Um, you know, he's not skinny. So, uh, we'll, we'll see about the arm. What we've heard is good long ball throw. Uh, just got to see about the accuracy on the, on the shorter throws. So, yeah, I mean, I, I could see it. There was a reason that Georgia wanted him and what he does performing in Todd Munkin's offense is, I think that's part of it too, is I think if, you still have what's perceived as the boring state Georgia offense that he would be playing in. I think maybe the people would be less confident in him. Um, So, you know, that's, and that gets back to, I mean, you can criticize Kirby for missing the boat on Justin Fields and the idea of dual threat quarterbacks. But number one, he recruited Justin Fields in the first place. And number two, he's got, this dual threat quarterback now uh I, I think he's he's got the idea but so much of it also isn't just sitting here saying i want to have a dual threat type quarterback be my starter it's a matter of uh like just happenstance the very reason that jake Fromm was the starter was jake Beeson got hurt if jake Fromm gets hurt sometime during the 2018 season justin fields goes in there and who knows what happens but jake Fromm never got hurt all right we get a whole series of podcasts on what ifs. Going. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's something that the Arabs may like. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, um, next week's guest, Chris Conley. <laughs> yeah, he'll 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 love that angle. Like Chris, you want to come on here and talk about? Oh, yeah. I I did want to ask you about one thing before we we duck out of here. I mean, you know, getting back to the whole Jake Fromm and the offense thing. It astounds me that Georgia's offense was as relatively pedestrian as it was last year. When you look at this draft yeah. and you see DeAndre Swift goes in the second round, probably could have been a first-round pick with a better year. Um, they have two tackles that go in the first round, mm-hmm. Andrew Thomas, Isaiah Wilson, and Solomon Kinley goes in the fourth, fourth round, I believe it is. So they have three offensive and I think, linemen and, and, basically and a other, running back. Cade Mays and Trey Hill. Uh, Will right. and possibly Ben Cleveland. They were uh, Ben Cleveland and Cade Mays were basically co-starters. They'll both get drafted. Cade Mays obviously won't get drafted out of Georgia anymore, but he will get drafted. I'd be surprised if he doesn't. Trey Hill will be drafted. We may look back on the 2019 Georgia offense personnel-wise and say, but I, I I wrote about this and I said it looks really bad when you look at the overall amount of talent, but when you go back to receiver. That's where receiver and tight end. Lawrence Cage was leading receiver. He wasn't picked. Now, George Pickens could end up being the next A.J. Mm-hmm. Green, and everyone says, well, look at that. They did have him. But Tyler Simmons got a bunch of, you know, got probably as many snaps as any receiver this year at Georgia, and he wasn't drafted. Um, Dominic Blaylock came on near the end of the year. I'm forgetting another receiver. Uh, Eli Wolf leading tight end in receiving yards was not drafted, but Charlie Warner was drafted. And I think he had nine catches in 2019, which tells me they didn't use him enough. 
which I think a lot of people thought they didn't use Charlie Warner mm-hmm. enough, period, over the last couple of years. Right, which gets back to, obviously, play calling. I was surprised at Lawrence Cager a little bit. I I mean, I, I assume the only reason he wasn't drafted was – was because of the health reasons, the health issues. Health yeah. reasons, but plus, I can, I can see. I, you know, I mean, if he ahead. were that good, he would have. We, we kind of forget he when he left Miami. It wasn't like he was all ACC. He, you know, he no, he was a guy I, who really blossomed he, at Georgia. Correct, and I think in today's NFL, where you know you have three receivers, three wide receivers on the field, you know, I'm gonna guess. 70, 75% of the time, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would be surprised if he stays healthy. And I think that really is the big if. I would be surprised if he doesn't have a pretty decent NFL career. Um, now, I think he was signed by the Jets after the draft. So, you know, that certainly can um, bury anybody. <laughs> mm. But... Um, but I but I think, I think health really is the big issue with him. I think if he had stayed healthy, I... I'm pretty sure he would have been drafted. Yeah, if he stays um, healthy, especially in a year when there's no like pro day and and whatever, because um, he couldn't be at the combine. I mean, he could be there. I think right. he did interviews and stuff, but he wasn't healthy. Um, but if he stays healthy, no- he's able to showcase a little bit in the SEC championship. Georgia still loses that game, but then he showcases a little bit more in the Sugar Bowl. Um, instead, basically, his career at Georgia—not basically, it did—it ended the week of the Georgia Tech game, and he never got a chance between then and the draft to to showcase himself or do Correct. anything. Because he, he is one of the guys who really got hurt by this whole situation because yes. because no no combine, no pro day, no private workout, no doctors looking at your ankle. I mean, none of that stuff happened. And, and um, so, again, teams are going to be very wary, you know, because it's like there's so many wide receivers out there we could always sign him after the draft. We don't need to spend a draft pick on him. But again, I will say on this podcast, I think if he is healthy, he is going to have a good career. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. And I've never been wrong, by the way. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of Javon Wims, who I guess was a sixth round pick of the Bears, sixth or seventh. Um, and I think he was still on their roster. Like I said, the, the NFL can be weird, but they're. I'll make one last point, and then we'll wrap it up if you want to wrap it up. But I, the the draft is important. There, there are some people who say you just need to get in the league, and then it's just a matter of, like, it doesn't matter where you were picked or if you were an undrafted free agent, you know, you get to pick your team, so it may even be better. I don't believe that. Number one, there's the money part of it, which I think everyone understands. But the other part of it is where you're picked means the team has more of an investment in you. You, you – you don't have any problem getting rid of a seventh-round pick. It's going to be easier right. for the Bills in a couple of years to say, "Well, Jake Fromm, he was only a fifth-round pick. We'll, you know, we'll let him go if they're not that impressed with him, or if there's some other somebody else they'd rather have as the backup quarterback." But you're not doing that if he's the second-round pick or even the third-round pick. Right. So, and it makes a difference. And in, in GMs are this, especially if the GM and the head coach are the same ones that were drafted. The draft you are still there so this stuff's important this stuff's important to these players um the, the one last thing i was going to ask you that i meant to ask you earlier so losing these three offensive linemen and you sort of touched on it a little bit in the first four rounds i mean you still think georgia's offensive line losing these three guys is still going to be 
pretty good next year. Uh, I mean, yeah, Sam Pittman recruited that well. Uh, will they be as good? I, I think there could be – look, they lost two first-round picks, so it's hard not to have even a slight drop-off, but I think chemistry and cohesion could be a bigger issue, especially with a, no spring practice. They started right. – they, they had workouts and, and everything, but – Look, they're still going to roll out, depending on how they roll out there, with a few five stars. Um, and Trey Hill, who's going to be, in, like we were talking about earlier, still going to he's going to be a pro, um, whether it's at center or guard. Jamari Sawyer is going to be a pro, whether it's at guard or tackle, probably at tackle, um, or at least they'll play tackle at Georgia. So, look, they've got some guys, but the cohesion part, I think, is the thing to watch. Depending on when they get going, which is – still up in the air at this point yeah. which i think we're looking at i'm not going to say timeline wise but whenever they get out there you're looking at probably four to six weeks is my bet on counting preseason um that's some time i don't know if it's going to be enough time for georgia's offense to to catch up uh to where it feels good entering the season um but it, it's it's not nothing but yeah i mean this is right. I think in general, I think that's going to – whenever they finally get out there, and I do tend to think it's going to be the summer. I don't know if the season will start on time, but I, I think at some point they're going to get out there this summer. But yeah. Georgia's offense is really going to be interesting to watch how much they've been hurt by all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agree. Agree. Um, all right, and then we can look forward to next year's draft when hopefully at least one dog makes a pick. That's, that's my – Yeah, I'm all in favor of that. Yeah, Amy Amy Trask, the former Raiders executive who now works for CBS Sports uh, on both television and, and online, and she's great. Uh, she she suggested on Twitter that that every team should mandate should should have to have a dog or cat make a late round pick, and next year, and we can see if they do any better than the general managers or not. Yeah, <laughs> or any worse. That'll feel My great theory for the player was, too. I was picked by a dog. <laughs> Yes. Well, my theory was cats would draft a lot better mm-hmm. than than dogs would, but the dogs would have a much better locker room and much better for us. So mm. I, I just felt like I, I don't know. Yeah. I, a cat would be very calculating, but just not much fun. Cat would be very Belichick like. I think. <sighs> yeah, we we yeah we could go in a lot of directions. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. What's what's okay? Yeah, I'll stop yeah, there. Stop. That's a good right, stopping point. The, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although the dog was great. The Belichick dog was great. Yes. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Um, and, yeah, uh, don't know when we'll have another one of these. But we'll, we'll, we'll circle we'll, back. We'll circle back I'm, I'm at just, some point. Yeah. yeah, between your Mr. Dad duties. Well, um, we need something to talk about, and, too. So, yeah. yeah. Well, well, we'll figure it out. All right. We'll figure it out. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face. <laughs> <laughs>